uh, good evening and welcome to here. Here we are at Grace Life Church. We're in Jemison, Alabama, about central of the state. Almost, if it was a, a dartboard, you, you'd try to hit the bullseye. And if you did, you'd, you'd probably hit Chilton County. So if, if that's not center, we're, we're so close to it, we should be at. So we're, uh, we're excited about the Word tonight. Excited about what God's got for us tonight. And so we're just going to delve into the Word tonight. And tonight we're going to talk about the Great, con the great Confession. The Great Confession. And so we're going to start off in Hebrews chapter 4. If you have your Bible uh, here with you tonight, and those of you who are watching, if you're in a place where you can grab your Bible, do that and grab a notepad. And it's always good to, to have some notes and you can reference them back to what you, you know, people say, well, I'll, I'll remember that. I'll remember that. Well, not always. You know, we're thinking now, now what, what, now how did they say that, or what did they say, or you know, where are my keys? <laughs> <laughs> Hebrews chapter four. I mean, know the word of God is supernatural. I'll try that again. How many of you know the word of God is supernatural? We talked about this Sunday that, that Peter said that there was actually 40 people that was chosen by the Holy Spirit that was inspired by him to write what he gave him to write and, and speak what he told him to speak. Covered over 1,600 years. Uh, the scriptures does, you know, from the beginning of what we call the Bible to, to Revelations. And the prophecies have come, have been fulfilled by the hundreds uh, or more. And then there's still prophecies being fulfilled to this day. But in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12 says, The word of God is quick. I also said it's powerful. That's a good combination, quick and powerful. That's better than slow and weak. The word of God is quick and powerful, and it's sharper than a two-edged sword. It pierces even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit, and of the joints and marrow, and the word of God is a discerner of thoughts and the intents of the hearts. Now I'm reading from the King James. Neither is there any other creature that is not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and open unto the eyes of him with whom he had to do or have to do. Verse 14 is our, is our scripture, but we might read past it in just a little bit. Verse 14 says, Seeing then that we have a great high priest. Someone say great. great. He's a great high priest. Now, where's he at? Well, it tells me in my Bible that, he's, that here he is passed into the heavens. Jesus, the Son of God, then gives us some instructions. Let us hold fast our profession. For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted just like we were, yet without sin. Verse 16, let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we might obtain mercy and find grace to help us in time of need. Oh, that's good news. I'm glad that we, we have a, the throne. It's not called the, the throne of punishment. Beat down, beat back. Huh? A lot of times you can go to church and get that. But hopefully you'll never get that here. No, he said come to the throne of what? Grace, so that we might find, uh, that, we, that we might obtain mercy 
Anyone ever needed mercy? Mercy is when you deserve to get something and you didn't get it. You know you deserved it, but you didn't get it. God And God is merciful. Thank God for his mercy. And then it tells us that we can find this help and this grace and this mercy in the time of need. Anyone ever had a need? I know you probably don't. Someone might have a need tonight if they thought wide and far. No one here? Have, okay. How many of you might know someone who knows someone who knows someone who might have a, some type of need? Well, there we go. The Amplified says, he says, uh, when we come to the throne of grace, he said, we'll get well-timed help coming to us just when we need it. Well, tonight, we're going to get help just when we need it. Amen. How about that? So we're, we're, we're going to go uh, back over some foundational truths tonight that I think that is, that is very imperative that, that we keep these in our life. And maybe it will, it will keep us razor sharp in some things and then it'll answer some questions as, as to why things sometimes, why isn't this happening or why isn't that happening or why does this work? Well, one thing we have to remember is many of the things that are in the scriptures even in the, of course, in the Old Testament, there were some, but, but I'm talking to you more from the epistles in the New Testament, is this, is that God works by spiritual law. I mean, he, he's not just a phenomenon. He actually works by spiritual law. And then he put, he put he physical law into our universe so that we could live on the planet. Well, we all know that there's a spiritual law called gravity. And how many believe that works? Does it work in all our 50 states? Well, if it worked in the United States, but it did not work in Africa, then that would not be a law. That would be a phenomenon. Or if it worked here and it worked in Canada, but it didn't work in Australia, then that would be a phenomenon. But no, we, we know gravity works for every, everyone. It doesn't, it's no respect to your persons. It doesn't matter what your race is, what your education is. It doesn't ask you for your financial status. It just works. And if you ever think that it doesn't work, you can always test it out. I wouldn't, I wouldn't uh, recommend that you test it out. If you do, I would just jump off a couple cement blocks. I wouldn't go up eight stories and say, I'm going to test the law of gravity, gravity because I really don't think it's going to work. It'll work. So it, it'll work. Well, how many know that faith is the law? The Romans says it is. It's the law. That means that God instituted the law of faith, and we won't, I'm not going to get there tonight. But in Romans, we can look at the law of faith. We know that there's four times in the scripture that the Bible says the just shall live by faith. Notice live by faith is not an experiment. It's not a visitation where you go visit something and come back and say, wasn't that wonderful, like going to Disneyland? No, living by faith is every day. It's day in, day out. It's on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and all day, all day Sunday the song used to sing. So this is how we do that, that we live by faith. So tonight we're talking about the great confession, and I want to draw your attention right back to the verse 14, just seeing that we have a great high priest that has passed into the heavens. Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. Now, two things I want you to notice here, then we're going to go back to chapter 3 of Hebrews. We see that Jesus is passed into the heavens. We know he's the Son of God. So he, then he instructs us to let us to hold fast. Hold fast thy profession. Well, Hebrews chapter 3, in the very first verse, go back one chapter, in the very first verse, I'm still reading from the King James. Whatever you got, do the best you can. It says, Wherefore, holy brethren, and I could say holy sistern, but we're all brethren in the Lord, partakers of the heavenly calling. I like, I like the way this is, 
talking to us. That the Lord wants to call you holy. And brethren means your family. Amen. Then I like that next part. Partaker of the heavenly calling. Then he tells us, consider the apostle and the high priest of your profession. Now, who is the high priest of our profession? Jesus is. Other translations say confession, profession, uh, same word. And we'll get into that as we go along. But it says that we are to consider him. Well, there's many reasons why we would consider him. But if we if we was going to Hebrews chapter seven, when we don't go, we would know the present day ministry of Jesus Christ is that. Of course, he's the head of the church. But we know in Hebrews chapter seven that the Bible says he's seated in the right hand of the father God where he ever liveth now to make intercession for you. Let me make it real plain. What's Jesus doing right now? He's seated at the right hand of the Father, and He's praying for you right now. Now, I don't know about you. I mean, it's a kind thing, and depending on who it is, if someone says, I've been praying for you. You ever had someone tell you, the Lord led me to let me pray for you, or you was in my mind, and I just started praying. Maybe they knew why, maybe they didn't know why, but they just want, they text you, they called you, they whatever. You've been on my heart, you've been on my mind. I'm, I, I just want you to know I'm thinking of you, and I'm praying for you. Well, that's, that's certainly a, a, a wonderful sentiment, but stronger than that, let me tell you this, Jesus didn't just happen to think about you today. You didn't come across, you didn't, now this is an old term, some of you won't know what it is, you didn't come up in his Rolodex. If you go to an old, like, secondhand thrift store, you might find one of those. It's a Rolodex. No, no one has that anymore, I don't suppose. I, I have one, but I, mean, I don't really use it, but I, I do have one somewhere. And uh, no, you're, you're, you're ever before him. If someone knows the number of hairs on your head and knows your thoughts before you have them, he knows where you are. He has no problem finding you at any time. Well, we know that he ever liveth today to make intercession for you. Now, what is intercession in, in its basic sense? It's prayer, right? So we could say this, Jesus ever liveth to make prayer for you. Now, I always like to say it this way, otherwise you can say it. I'm pretty sure Jesus is in the habit of getting his prayers answered. Isn't that good? Now go, now go to Romans 8 real quickly. Romans the ch chapter 8. I'm, I, I told you. And if uh, that I want to bring you here on Wednesday night to work you. So if, if you want to, you can just listen. But Romans chapter 8. And let's go to verse... Uh, 20, uh, 28. Now I'm going to read this from the Amplified. It says, in the Amplified, verse 20, it says, we are assured. So he wants you to leave here tonight with assurance. Yes. And know that God being a partner in their labor, all things work together, are fitting into a plan. Amplified puts a parenthesis. All things are working together. All things are fitting into a plan. Yeah. For good. To and for those who love God, who are called according to His purpose and His design, or design of purpose, the Amplified says it. Well, we see here that, that uh, we've heard this scripture most of our life, whether you was churched or unchurched, you heard someone say, well, you know, if everything works together somehow for God's good. You ever heard that even when you wasn't in church? I, I've heard it used many times. It was usually out of context. 
and it would, they would mostly use it at times when something bad happened, happened to someone that no one could understand why it happened. And then they just pull out, well, you know, all things work together for good and God's in control and God's sovereign. He's, he, is, he is sovereign and he wants to be in control, but that's up to you. Huh? You know, God's not in control of everybody because he gave me something called self-will. I don't know about you, but there's sometimes I did my will instead of his. I know you, you may not have, but there was times in my life where I'd do what I wanted to instead of what I knew to do, what to do was right. That, that did happen at least twice I can think of. Hmm. So if I did that in my lifetime and I was in my will, that means I wasn't in his will. But here he tells me all things are working together for my good and your good. For all of us who are called according to who love him are called, are called according to what his, his purpose and his design for your life. And so we see that there's, thank God, there's a plan. And then uh, uh, it goes on to say, for those who he foreknew, so he foreknew you of whom he was aware of, and he loved you beforehand. Isn't that good news? He loved you beforehand. He didn't wait to see how he's going to turn out. He knew how he's going to turn out. He loved you on the front end. I better stay out of that. Well, I don't know why I would. Well, we just move in together and have about five kids. See if we're compatible. Now, if you've had five kids like that, I mean, if you think I'm talking to you here, I don't know. You, I don't. I don't. I don't know nothing about you. Praise the Lord. I love you anyway. Amen. You know, the Bible says if if, if we just miss the whole, the, the, we, if James said if you were, if you don't keep all the law, you miss at one point, you're guilty of everything. So that means just shoot me. <laughs> so I ain't talking about what you did. <laughs> Amen. Huh? I mean, I mean, if you've got a 90.9, 99.9 GPA garbage in holy living, but you miss it in one point, you're living under the law, not under grace, you fail. So I said that so you can, when I use an example like that, you, know, you don't ever know when you're preaching or someone like that. Well, I just came to church, the preacher just beat me over the head. Oh, I'm not here to beat you over the head. I'm here to help you and not beat you over the head. My gosh. Amen. Praise God. And so here he's, he's talking about the, the, there's a plan and it's a good plan and, and he's called us to it. It's according to his purpose and his design, not, not our purpose and our design. And he foreknew us. Now here, but he loved us beforehand. Then he destined from beginning, foreordaining them to be, this is the plan, to be molded into the image of his son and share inwardly his likeness that he might become the firstborn among many brethren. Jesus was the firstborn among many brethren. In other words, he was the firstborn again from the dead. Jesus went and paid the ultimate price, went to the cross. He went, he went to the grave. Still a great debate about this, but he actually went to hell. That'll always stir up somebody. He said, God can, you can't send God to hell. Yeah, uh, it's, it's too much to talk about right now. Then he, had, then he had to be raised up, born again, and he was the first one born again from sin because he became sin. See, if you, if you become sin, you could go to hell. Hmm? Because there has to be a penalty for that. And Jesus had to pay the penalty for it. <laughs> it says, in those, so he foreordained, he also called and justified, and he's acquitted you. 
Well, that's good. And he made you righteous. And he's put you in the right standing with himself. And those whom he justified, he also glorified you. And he raised you to a heavenly dignity and condition, a state of being. In other words, when he raised you up and then you received him as Lord, he came into your life in such a way that everything of the old person of you on the inside, I don't mean your outside, if your hair is brown or, or white or blonde or curly or bald, nothing changes after you get saved. Nothing on the outward. In other words, if you like marshmallows before you got saved, you probably like them after you got saved. If you like sardines before you get saved, maybe you'll get enough Jesus in your heart you won't like them no more. I don't know. But anyway, anyway just nothing on, that's, that's the outward things, not the inward things. But inwardly, we, we became just like him, right? Now, y'all, you guys know this. You became just like him. And you became just like him in order that you might live like him, talk like him, act like him, and get his results. The ultimate goal for every believer is to get the results of Jesus on the earth, not to get the results of, a, of another human being or their pastor. This is the book that you can pass your pastor in. You can pass your priest, if you want to call it that. You can, you, you, you can, you, you can pass uh, Billy Graham. You can pass whoever in here. Not in the sense that you're more holy or that God loves you more, but you can... He said, come to me if you're hungry and I'll fill you. So this depends on, you know, are, you, are you hungry? Well, he said, this is the filling station. Are you thirsty? He said, take a drink. But now after you've been fed and thirsty, you shouldn't be hungry and thirsty for a while. Now, I don't want to get off on that because people say, well, you know, we're just going to come tonight and have a hunger meeting. Well, let's don't, no. I mean, let's, let's come into the new covenant. He said, if you're hungry, I'll feed you. If you're thirsty, he said, I'll give you a drink. Now quit being hungry and thirsty. Be filled. Amen. Well, so, so here we are. We want to talk about the great confession. And when you talk about confession, a lot of times people think about confession of, of uh, you know, of sin and confession of, of failure and confession of being weak and miserable and all these things. But that's not the kind, that's not the kind of confession I want to talk to you tonight, about tonight. I want to talk to you about confession that brings dominion into your life. Over everything in your life. Now, if you're like me, there's some things in here that you haven't mastered. But that's what we're looking for is mastery. We're looking to master what Jesus has already mastered for us. Why? Because we've been called to function just like him. Ephesians 4 said... God's goal for you is for you to come to the measure of the high calling, which is the, and the measure of that is the statue of Christ, not Peter or Paul, not John, not Mary, not Bar Thomas, not, not any disciple. He's, he, he, he measures you to a place to the statue of Christ. In other words, you, you are Christians, which means you are Christ-like. Christ, the name Christ <clears throat> is not the last name like Smith, someone's name is Jack or John or Larry Smith, Christ is what? The anointed one and his anointing. Well, did you know that since you've been born again, the Bible says you've been anointed? So you are, you are now the Christ on the earth. People say, oh. yeah, I said it. It's right there in the Bible several times. And if you be Christ, then you're Abraham's seed. 
and heirs according to his promise. Huh? After the day of Pentecost, they all filled the Holy Ghost. They went about doing Christ-like things, Christian-like things. And Peter and John, in Acts chapter 4, after they raised up the man, remember the gate beautiful, who'd been there begging for alms? They raised him up, boy, caused a stir. <clears throat> the only one who stirred and angry about it was the Pharisees. They were mad. And then there were people who were sad. And they were called the sad, you see. Sad, you see. They were sad. But the people who was happy was the people just like was, was the lame man and the people was in his condition. Religion was, was always mean. Religion was what's always infuriates people. So we don't want to be religious. There is a pure religion, James says. We don't want to be religious. We want to be relational. We want to be right on with God. And God thinks when you think like him, he thinks you're smart. And God thinks if you, if you change your mind and just do it when you don't understand it, he, he thinks, boy. He said, Lord, this doesn't make any sense for me to talk like this. Well, I sure don't feel like it. My situation sure don't line up with what you're saying. Well, I can't hardly confess that. How could I confess that? They fix take my car tomorrow. You, you want me to say I got more than enough. I ain't got more than enough. I can't even get to the house. Well, see, that's, 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 that's the land of reason. That's the land where they go bury you in. Hmm? See, true, true humility is not saying, I'm just, I'm just poor and humble. No, see, that's, that's called self-centeredness. That's called pride. When you say something lower than what God said about you. See, humility is when you're willing to take God's opinion of you and you confess that about you in spite of what your experience looks like in the natural. Amen. Boy, I'm doing better preaching. Y'all better be amen not to. I'll come out to your house tonight. <laughs> Got any meatloaf or chicken dumplings? Anyway, hey. So we want to have dominion and we don't need to be frightened by any kind of conditions. No matter how impossible the, the situation looks like, no matter what the doctor said, no matter what the x-ray looks like. The Bible says, whose report are you going to believe? Well, I got an x-ray. Well, I, I got a Bible. Yeah, well, well I, I got three doctors who said it's impossible. Well, I got one who said all things are possible. Three, three and one. Which one do you want to take? I'll take the one. You, want, you can go with the crowd and I'll go, with, I'll go solo over here. You know, I always said, I like to say it this way. Why don't you just jump out there and believe it anyway? It's just as easy to believe as it is to doubt. Actually, it's easier to believe than it is to doubt. Heaven has more help. <laughs> Did you know that? <laughs> I know the devil's got a crowd out there. And he's, got, he's got demons out there, but he doesn't have near the force God has. If you just believe God, you'll just join up with all heaven's friends. Huh? Amen. So... We should never in a moment lose our confession over the supremacy of the work of that or over the, over the work of an adversary. Never in a moment of, of great pressure ever lose the supremacy of what you are as a son of God, that you are the, uh, as a son of God with the results of God. Jesus said, the works that I do, will you do? Now, what are you going to do with that? Well, what did he do? Well, he healed the sick. Well, he cast demons out, didn't he? Well, he raised the dead. Have you ever seen a demon cast out of someone? I have. You ever seen someone be that was you ever, you ever seen someone healed? I have. You ever seen someone raised from the dead? I know I have. <laughs> I have. I was real close to it. Amen. So Jesus said that, that was the works he did. He said, you're going to do these works and greater works. 
How do I do the, the works and greater works if I have less to work with? Well, did Jesus give us less to do more? And I'm no Greek or Hebrew scholar, but I, I don't have to, you know, dig into books much to find out there's something wrong with that, buddy. No, we, we have to have at least what he has to do what he did. But he said we're going to do more than that. So we have to we have to forfeit our the experience of our natural experience and what our senses are telling us. And we have to, by faith, choose to make a choice. You're, you're going to in life one day going to have to make a choice. You may not have to make a choice right now. You might say, well, I don't have any physical problems. That's good. I'm, I'm, I'm glad you don't. But the, the day come, you might. You might get old enough one day. You're not seven anymore. You might find out. You might wake up one day and find out you have a body. I don't know. Maybe, maybe you won't. Maybe you'll never have a pain. You'll live to be 137. That, that'd be awesome. But I'm just talking about someone who might, you know, whose their fingernail might hurt a little bit. There's hope for you. <laughs> There's hope for you. There's hope for you. Why? Well, even, even Moses, the lawgiver, he, you know, at the end of his life, the Lord says, it's time for you to die. He says, how you do that? He says, the Lord says, well, just come on, walk up, mount, walk up to the mountain here. And he says, and just come up here and I'll show you how to do it. And he walked up the mountain at 120 years old. The Bible says his natural forces weren't abated. His natural eyes weren't dim. In other words, they didn't get him up there in a wheelchair. Moses walked up the mountain. I, I don't know. We don't, have any record, we don't have any record of what happened. But we knew he went there and he died. But he didn't know how to die. No one killed him. Huh? They didn't call in hospice. What some people call hospice? Hostage. Yeah, they didn't call in hostage. <laughs> no, he went up there and just laid down. Well, that's one way you can die. You can just go up there and say, I'm through. I finished my work. Man, I fixed split heaven wide open. And just go to sleep. How would you just like to go to sleep? I mean, look at this. Y'all forgive me if you're an Auburn fan. Or, or, or whatever it is. I'm talking sports as men. I mean, you, you just watch Alabama win the national championship. You just have your big bowl of ice cream, go to sleep, wake up in heaven. It's, could it be better? I mean, I mean, could it be better? <laughs> or if you're an Auburn fan, I mean, that's hard to believe. But anyway, but I mean, it's just, but it, it could, it has happened once. Then they win the national once in their history. Once. I don't know. I think it did happen once, right? Twice. Twice. Yeah, they won with Cam Newton. He got let go yesterday, replaced by, oh, an Alabama quarterback. Anyway, let's move right along in his new team. That's done do anything. Well, he's made a lot of money. He can go home now. So if we have sickness, if we have disease, if we have pain, how many know it ain't from God? Did God send it? Have you ever heard God send it to teach you something? I did. I grew up in that church. I grew up in there. I was a member there. We were charter members. <laughs> I mean, you, you got to be steeped in this stuff to become a charter member. We were told that God, you know, did some of these things sometimes because, you know, that would make us holy. He teaches. He teaches, you know, through, through good and teaches through evil. Y'all never heard anything like that growing up? That God sometimes used sickness or disease or pain or situations in your life to teach you anything? Well, you can't find a scripture in the Bible that's ever done it. You can't find Jesus ever teaching anybody with leprosy or anything. You can't find one scripture in the Bible where God ever did anything to anyone teach him anything. Can you learn through problems? Yeah, but you don't have to learn that way. Hmm? In other words, I could have just got good grades in school because I was supposed to. 
but I didn't want to go to school and I didn't have good study habits. So when I brought home my report card and there was a bunch of DNS one time, or more than, actually more than once, I tried to tell my parents D meant delightful and F was fantastic, but they didn't believe that. So they had a way of teaching me. And I got to believe them like they did, <laughs> that I would study and develop habits. Well, that's not how God teaches us, is it? So in Jesus, in Jesus' name, that makes you a son of God. That makes you us a what? A master. Because Jesus was the master, right? So now you're, if you're a son of God, then you, you are the devil's master. Why? Because Jesus is not here, but you're here. So that means you're taking his place as his representative. But you can't just go do anything as his representative. You can't say what he never said as, and represent him. You can't say, well, the Lord gave you that because obviously he wants to teach you something. You're not representing him because he never did that. You can't say, well, this is some generational curse because of your great, great granddad. You can't do that and represent him because he never said that. Can't do that. That's old covenant. That's not new covenant. So without fear, we take our position and then we confess our ability in Christ. And then we defeat the situation and we conquer it. Just as Jesus defeated every situation he is, and then he conquered it. So we read that in Hebrews chapter 4, that we are to hold fast our confession. And uh, other translations, you may have one that says profession. But Christianity in Hebrews chapter 3 is called the great confession. He, Christianity is called the great confession. Why, now, now, now why is it called the great confession? Well... Here we are, or I am. Uh, you still in Romans? Go to Romans 10. You should be close to it if you went to Romans 8. Romans 10. Verse 8. But what saith it, Paul said? The word is a hundred miles away from you. Y'all have that translation? The words where? Near you or nigh you, right? It's in your pastor's mouth. Well, yeah, it's in my mouth, but, but he said it's where? He said it's in your mouth. What is? Back up. The word or the word of God is to be near you. The word of God is supposed to be in your mouth. And in your heart. Notice it's supposed to be in two places in your heart and in your mouth. Paul said, that is the word of faith which we preach. He said, this is what we're preaching. We're preaching that the word is supposed to be in your heart and in your mouth. In your heart and in your mouth. Going in your heart, coming out your mouth. Putting it in your heart, bringing it out your mouth. Right? Yeah. Now, 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 so, we, so we know that faith, we won't read it, in the, in the 17th verse, it said faith comes by hearing and hearing by the words of God. Hearing and hearing by the word of God. But here he says that faith is in two places. It's in your heart and in your mouth. Now we'll get verse 10. For with the heart man believes unto what? Righteousness. And with the mouth confession. Confession. There it is. Is made unto what? Salvation. Now how, how did you get saved? Well, he said that that, that you had to have faith. Someone had to preach the gospel to you. 
of Jesus. And then you had to choose to believe upon Jesus and you believed upon Jesus as your Savior and Lord. You believed upon that, didn't you? And then you confessed Him as your Lord. And that's paramount to you being saved, born again, delivered, translated out of the kingdom of darkness and into the kingdom as His dear Son. That's, that's how confession operates. It's a law. So, if you accept or, or, or faith holds fast. That's what faith does. Faith will hold fast. Hold, I mean, you, you, you got to hold on to it because something's going to try to take it away. Situation's going, people's going to try to take it away. Government's going to try to take it away. I didn't say you have to go far. I didn't have to say you have to go to a different government right here. Now, we, we hold fast to what God said. We hold fast to, to the promise of God. God's not even in the business of making promises. He's already made them. He made a promise to Abraham and fulfilled it. And then he made promises from Abraham all the way up to Jesus, and now he don't make promises anymore. He just hears declarations. He didn't have, he, he's not fulfilling or making promises to you because he's already made them. What other, what, what other promise would he make? So now, after Jesus, he's not making promises anymore. He's already made them. Now he's just hearing the, the, the declaration of what you're saying that agrees with him when we speak that. In other words, faith comes by hearing, but, hear, but, but faith has to be released if it's going to work. How do, how, how do you release faith? Well, once again, how does faith come? Well, Romans 10, 17 said faith comes by what? Hearing, and we hear by the what? The Word of God. Faith does not come by me teaching you about faith. The propensity of that is, to, is, to, is, is for that, but you don't receive you don't receive faith by hearing about the subject of faith. You receive healing. You receive uh, faith by hearing the word of God and attending to the word of God. But then faith has to be released. It's like loading a, a, a pistol or a shotgun or whatever, and you and, and you fill it full, and now you're you're looking for if you're hunting or for game or if it's a, a, a prowl or whatever. There's no protection if you don't release what's what you've put into the barrel. Right. Well, whatever you put in you has to be released out of you. Otherwise, it's just sitting there stored up, going nowhere. And therefore, it's not confession. It's not. So why? Two things. For what the heart man believes and with mouth confession is made. So we have very we have we have a lot of believers, but we have very few. We have very few sayers. We have very few speakers. We have a lot of people who believe. Well, do you believe God? He goes, well, I believe, yeah, I believe God can do anything. <clears throat> you, you didn't tell me anything. Well, do you believe God can meet your needs? Well, I know God's God. I mean, he's, ain't nothing God can't do. You ain't tell me anything. You turn your lights off believing that. Hmm? Well, the devil knows that. The devil knows God can do anything. But that's no sign he's going to do anything for you. See, it's not, it's, it's not up to God. It's up to you. It's up to you. The Bible says he is the high priest of your confession. In other words, he's the high priest over your words. Need some words. Oh, I believe in you. Well, he's, he says, well, I believe in me too, you know. Uh, but that ain't going to help your situation right now. Well, I believe you can do anything. Well, he says, well, I already know I can do anything. But that ain't helping you right now. Well, I believe that, you know, you took all the stripes upon your back. Uh, I know I did. 
but that's not helping you right now. I, I believe all the s silver and cattle and gold on a thousand hills belongs to you, Lord. He says, they are. The earth is yours. It, it is. No sign anything's going to happen for you. How, how do you put that into action? You have to begin to profess or confess. You have to begin to say what God says. Now, here's the danger for a church like this. You already know this. Don't think there's not anyone here tonight on a Wednesday night who doesn't know what I'm talking about. Knowing it and doing it is two different things. Hmm. I know celery is probably better for me than fudge. But just by choice, if they're neutral, I'll take the fudge every time. And I'll fudge on it. <laughs> huh? No, it, it, it's, it's in the doing. He said, be, be a doer of what? A doer of the word, a doer of the work. So Christianity is called the great confession. If you, haven't, if you have never confessed Jesus is Lord, you would not be saved. Now, it's not mechanical in the sense of just, of just you know, a, a right or just, you know, reading off something and, and just saying something. No, the, the heart, you, you had to believe something with your heart. Just running to someone and make them say this, don't make them saved. They might say everything that you tell them to say and just get rid of you. That, that, that don't mean they're saved. We've got a lot of people in churches who think they're saved. They're not even saved. I know that didn't, won't go over really good. <clears throat> well, it, it says we'll confess him as, as what, Lord? Not fire insurance. Is he Lord? Well, that means he's in charge. That means, that means you, you, you do what he tells you to do. That's what, that's what lordship is. Hmm? He's not 911. Thank God he does that and helps all of us. But, but, but that's not lordship. Lordship is, <clears throat> I'm a disciple of his. I'm a student of his. I, 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 I listen and then I, I practice this word. I, I follow him. Paul says, follow me as I follow Christ. And when I practice that and I do that and I, and I follow his life and his example, that's lordship. Just, just, just coming to church to make me feel better, that's, that's not lordship. There's a lot of people who might know him as Savior, but they, they never met him as Lord. Because the first time he says, go do something, like, I, I can't do that, I ain't going to do that. I mean, I'm just, my gosh, I can't come Sunday, I'm going to the river. Oh, well, okay. Well, he, you'll probably be in heaven. Be, be glad, be, you'll be thrilled that you're there. But that's not lordship. And that's not the reward for lordship. Now, so faith holds fast to the confession of the word, and, but then sense knowledge. How many of y'all got some senses in your body, like touch, taste, feel, smell, and hear? How many glad that you do have them? You ever, you ever, been, ever had a day that you wish you didn't have a couple of them? <laughs> when you felt some things that you didn't, whatever? Yeah. Like when you ladies, you know, had children and gave birth. I mean, that probably, you know, I, I always told all my kids, you know, I said, now, now, next week's, you know, in other words, your mother's birthday. And they'll say, yeah. I'll say, you, you got your mother present? And my kids, you say, well, why would I get her present? I said, birth day. The day you, she birthed you. <laughs> it's not when she got to go to Paris or, 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 or you know, Maui. It was birthday. She was, she was a pushing and a moving and a shaking and like this. And they were sweat pouring and all that kind of stuff. And I said, it, it, it's birthday. You ought to get your mom a present. Amen. If I'd, if I'd have gave birth, I'd have been shouting amen out there. I don't know about you. I mean, if I'd have had a human come out of me, I'd agree with that. 
a human being on the inside of you came out. It's like, my gosh, y'all get a medal every day of your life. Hey, gosh. Can you imagine a man having to give birth? Oh, I, I, I have to end the service now. I don't feel good just thinking about it. <laughs> oh, a human coming out of the inside of you. My, my, my. So sense knowledge, what, what does that do? Well, we have senses. Hence, sense knowledge holds fast to the confession of physical evidence. That's what sense knowledge does. It holds fast. It holds fast. It holds, it holds tight to physical evidence. You ain't going to make it this month. Ain't no one ever going to marry you. You ain't never going to find a husband. You ain't never going to find a wife. You ain't never going to get your bills paid. You'll die for this house is ever paid for. That car of yours won't last two more weeks. Why, that baby yours, sure to have so-and-so when it's born. You know, your third cousin down had it and all of them had it. Hmm? See, it's holding fast to physical evidence. But faith is holding fast to the Word of God evidence. It's your, decide what, it's your decision what you're holding on to. You got a choice. God's sovereign. Well, He is sovereign, but it's your choice. He's not going to make you choose. He'd like for you to choose the right way, won't, but it doesn't make you do it. So whenever we use the word confession, you know, people you think about the negative side of it, but there's a positive side of confession. It's a, it, or you could use the word affirmation. It's an affirmation. Of, uh, a, a positive side of confession or confession is something that you, that you believe in. You believe it firmly from your heart. Or it's testifying of something that you know to be of a truth. In other words, if you were to go to court and ask you to give a, a testimony of something that you witnessed or, the, or that you saw, and they would ask you questions and they would explicitly ask you, did, did you see this or did you hear this? Or, in other words, they're, they're looking for proof that you saw or you heard or you have proof of, of their questions that they're asking you. They, they don't ask you things about what you do not have evidence of, that you, that you can't testify to something that you did not see and that you did not hear. If you're doing that, you're interjecting an opinion. And they didn't bring you there for an opinion. They brought you there for facts. Right? So confession is, is your testimony of facts. That's what it is. Why, why would you expect to be healed? Why would I not expect to be healed? Himself, Jesus, took my infirmities and he bore my sickness. Why, Jack, why in the world, if he bore what I, what I want to bear? If he took my pain, why do I want pain? If he took my sin, why do I want to go to hell and be a sinner? Or be a sinner and, go, and, and end up in hell? How many believe Jesus would pay the price for you that you don't have to go to hell? Anybody want to go there? No. And y'all like, well, I ain't really sure if he paid enough. Maybe I should go down there and do a little bit more. <laughs> See, there's no one believing that. <laughs> no one wants that, right? No. How many believe Jesus paid enough? Well, he didn't. He overpaid. Your count's overpaid. It's got a lot of left on the balance. Praise the Lord. You ain't going to fill up in your lifetime. Hallelujah. He overpaid. Well, that's, a, that's called a positive confession when we begin to testify to the good that Jesus has already done in us. Now, your, your confession real quickly is to center around these five things. If you don't have time to write it, you can watch it, play it back on Facebook or however you want to do it. Five things that your confession should be centered around. Number one, what God in Christ has already wrought or fashioned for you. That's number one. 
your confession has to center around these five things. What God in Christ has already fashioned for you. Number two, what God through His Word and the Spirit has created in you. What God through His Word and the Spirit has created in you. Number three, what you are to the Father in Christ. What you presently are to the Father in Christ. Number four, what God can now presently do through you. And number five, what the Word will do when spoken through your lips. Your confession will be comprised of those five things. So there has to be faith, and then there has to be action. In, in other words, like faith and love. Uh, love is revealed, and real love is revealed in words and action. Some people just talk about, I love you, but there's just words, but then they don't have any action to back it up. Faith has to have word, but it has to have action. For God so loved that He did something about it. He, God so loved you and me that He gave His only begotten Son, word and action. God didn't just feel God didn't just care. God so loved that He gave. So there's no effective faith without a purposeful confession. There's, there, faith, faith has no avenue of expression without words. The, world, the, the, the only reason why you're in the world and you can see it is because God spoke. God didn't have an idea of having the world and never speak it. Otherwise, we wouldn't be here and there'd be no world. Everything that we, we know of and we can see with our physical eyes and we can touch is because God was willing to speak His faith through His lips. If you're going to see and you're going to change, what you need to change your life is because you're going to have to find out what He said and then you're going to have to speak it. It'll do no good to come to church and me to say this and you say amen and then you go home and do nothing about it. This is called the great confession. This is called Christianity. This is called a believer's life. You say, well, that sounds like I'll have to do a little something. Well, you might. You, you might. I don't know how you don't might. But, but you're used to doing things. I mean, even when you go to the restaurant. I mean, it's nice if they cook the meal. If you go to your favorite place, maybe you have a, you know, a, a waiter or waitress that you like and they're all that. But they generally don't. I've never had one say, well, now I'll have the so-and-so. And they come back and then they sit down next to you and they, and they just spoon feed you. You just open your mouth and do they do that for you? And they hold the cup while you drink out of it. Now they do that when you know when you're 14 months old and you put you in a, in a tray, you know, and, this, and you spoon feed them and they, you know, whatever. No, so, so, so there is some work involved. There is some work involved. Amen. But this is the work of the Spirit. This is the work of the recreation. It's not labor. It's, it's, it's how we dominate. You do it all the time. You ever done to an animal? You, you ever had to get onto an animal? You ever had to raise your voice an octave or two to get an animal to obey? I watched it today. I watched her do it twice today. Got a dog who's trying to learn a new home, and she said, I don't want the bathroom to be right there. I want it to be right there. No, that's like, that's like called brand new carpet. And that over is called pads. That's hardwood flooring. This is soft. Your predecessors before you took care of that, but this is going to be a new thing for you. But I want to go right there. You ain't going there. Hey! <laughs> then they can't go for three days. <laughs> My way just be get rid of it. But anyway, that ain't probably ain't going to happen for me. I mean, I guess one day where the Lord took her. <laughs> but anyway, I'm sorry. Well, not a whole lot, but anyway. So confession, confession does several things to the believer. Number one, it locates you. 
Jesus said, we, 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 know a, we know a tree by the fruit it what? It bears. He said, out of the abundance of the, what's in your heart, the mouth will what? It'll speak. I always say leak. But out of the abundance of your heart. In other words, if you just let someone talk long enough, you'll know what they're thinking, right? Uh, that, that's modern day. That's, that's the Eric West translation. It, just let them talk long enough and you'll know what's in their, in, in their thoughts and their mind. Just, they'll, they'll tell it all. I've been around someone that just told it all. And you didn't have to wonder what they thought about it. They told you all. Amen. Well, so our confession locates the believer. And then it also fixes and establishes boundaries in your life. Your, your confession coming across your lips will set the boundaries of your life. And when you can't even see what's happening in the spirit realm, when you begin to speak things and declare things that God said, even though you can't even see it, but you know it by faith, you don't have to see it. What you don't see is devils come to and around you, and then they try to afflict you with certain things, and then they find out they can't do it because you have set a boundary, and they're frustrated, and you never get to see it. It'd be great if you did see that, because I guess you'd be a different kind of a believer. But we, don't, we shouldn't have to see it. But I mean, there's a bloodline that you've put there. There's a word that you've established and the devil says, I can't cross it because, and I'm not just preaching to you. I'm telling you the truth. The devil can't cross it because you've established a word there that he can't cross. Now, whose word did you speak? Did you speak your word or, his, or this word? You spoke God's word. Tell me how the devil is going to cross God and cross his word. But if you don't believe your words, I know you're not going to believe his. The re that's why people have a hard time sometimes even believing something because they don't even believe their own word because they don't keep their own word. Well, I'll be there tomorrow at three and never show up. Get there at five thirty. I've had that happen 20 some years of ministry. People come and say, could, you know, could we meet? I need to speak and, you know, counsel, whatever you want to call it. Sure, be glad to meet. And they'll come an hour and 15 minutes later. Well, we got busy. Well, try that with your dentist and see how it works. When you come, they probably won't see you. Oh, well, we understand. You know, what was y'all? I, mean, I love Lucy. Come on. Yeah, and I didn't want to miss that one. Well, that's all right. We'll just, we'll just, uh, We'll just, uh, you know, we, we close here at five, but we'll stay up until six because, you know, we, you need that tooth, tooth, tooth fixed or teeth cleaned and, you know, you can't miss Lucy. Doesn't work that way, does it? Why? So if we don't even believe our own words and act upon our own words, we're not going to believe the word of God. See how important it is to make sure that your word's good? That you swear upon your own hurt? Even if it costs you something. Now, i got to go quickly because my time's up. E.W. Kenyon said this. He said, the reason the majority of Christians are weak, even though they're sincere, he said, and he did say, he said, there's a lot of Christians, they're sincere. He said, but the reason they're weak is because they, they've never dared to make a confession of what they are in Christ, which can only be found in the epistles. He said, they're, they're earnest, but they're weak. And the reason they're weak is because they will not confess who they are in Christ. They hold on to sense knowledge instead of word knowledge. They feel it in their senses, 
They're seeing it. They're touching it. They're tasting it. They saw the x-ray. They got this. The x-ray matches their pain, all this kind of stuff. It's just whatever. You just say it's life. It's just age. It's just finances. It's just the world. It's just the Democrats. It's just the Republicans. It's communism. It's blah, 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 blah. And you're living a natural life, just a natural life. And they're and just coming to church saying, well, praise the Lord. And here's my ten dollars and go out the next. That's not who we are. That's not who we are. You're, you're sons of God. You're the, you're the devil's master. And because you're the devil's master, you serve humanity. You can't, remember, you can't serve humanity until you can master the devil. And you can't master the devil until you're God's son. But because you are God's son, what? You are what? You're the devil's master. And now as the devil's master, we can serve humanity. Why? Because we're mastering the devil because we're what? You say, why are you saying this over and over again? And, and, until we, and, until we, it, it just comes out of our thinking. We don't have to think it, we just say it. Then you get in a situation, and if I keep saying this about three times every service for about six months, you get in a situation about six months, and the first thing come up, say, some, someone say, oh, what are we going to do? You say, ain't no problem. <clears throat> I'll take care of that. Because uh, <clears throat> the devil does what I tell him to because I'm his master. I can help you out. Well, what do you mean you're the devil's master? Well, I'm a son of God, aren't you? Well, yeah. Well, don't you know, you, don't you know you, you're the devil's master? No. <laughs> no. I'm just trying to stay out of his path like an F5 tornado. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> no, we're not trying to stay out of his path. <laughs> no, 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 no. So, he said, so when we make a bold confession, let me finish here tonight, of what the word declares that you are in Christ, that's when your faith begins to abound. That's what your faith does, begins to abound. And the reason faith is stifled is because we never dare to confess ourselves or hold fast to what God says you are. Dictionary says this, to confess means to make confession of one's faults. That is one thing. But confession means to acknowledge, to have faith in. So, Confess means to also means to say what? The same thing. So when I'm confessing the word, when I'm speaking forth the word, when I'm de decreeing with my own mouth, saying what God said about me, even though my experience many times is not going to match it from, the, from when I first say it. And it won't necessarily say it after you said it three times. But when I've dared to begin to confess because a humble heart will say, Lord, I, I, look, I, I look two lifetimes away from, from this. I mean, I'm a mess. I've been to jail three times and or just got out of prison after 15 years, lost my family, lost this, blah, 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 blah. And, and you're telling me I'm the head and not the tail, I'm, I'm above and not beneath, and the, the, you know, that I'm, I'm the devil's master. Well, I'm just looking for something to eat today. So I don't go to bed, you know, with flies around my head. Well, you see, you, you're probably, you're probably going to take that experience because everything in your experience and your senses are telling you that's the truth. But Jesus didn't come preach experiences, did he? He comes preaching the word of Christ. And when you choose to take the word over your experience, that's called a humble believer. See, so you... Because humble humility also means that you're teachable. So 
So a lot, of, a lot of times what we think someone's meek, we think when someone's meek, you know, that, that's just someone you can slap this cheek and then they'll go to the other side and turn the other side and turn the other side. And, and, and humble just means they're just real quiet. No, humble could be loud. Huh? Yeah. It, it, it's when you get in a situation where it, it, it seemingly is physically impossible for anything to happen there. And there's nothing anybody can do about it. The doctor can't do nothing about it. Medical science can't do nothing about it. There, there, there's not another medicine. There's not another procedure. There, there's nothing else they can do. All they have left now for you is to go home and make your peace with God and get your stuff in order. What are you going to do then? What would you do at that place? I've been with people like that many times. Many times I've been with people like that. And I'm telling you, just because someone puts a, quote, death sentence on you, they can't put a death sentence on that. They're giving you medical facts. I understand that. I'm not critiquing them. I'm saying, that's all, but that's all natural. I mean, you, you're, you're too late to tell me that something can't be turned around because I, I, just, I just saw it too many times. I mean, if I were to ask Scott tonight, I mean, not, not, not starting tonight, but, but could you build a 10 by 12 edition on someone's home? Could you build it in Alabama? If you had your tools, can you build it in Arkansas? New Jersey? New York? Could you build it in Hawaii? Would rather? <laughs> well, now, now how, how did he say yes to all that? Because he has the wisdom and the knowledge to know how to do it. don't matter where you put him down. And when you got the wisdom and knowledge, this don't matter where life puts you down. You'll pick yourself back up and say, we, man, we staying here. We're, we're going this place. Bones can hear. Ears can hear, intestines can hear, lungs can hear, bones can hear, knees can hear, joints can hear, arthritis has ears, bursitis, all the Ritis, all the Ritis brothers has ears. Did you know that? You say, well, that sounds funny talking to arthritis. No, no, sound like Jesus. Jesus talked to storms. He talked to withered hands. He talked to, he fought, he talked to a fig tree. Can you, you imagine the master of the universe had a, con a conversation with a tree? A tree. A tree. I mean, you would think Jesus needs to be schooled. He's talking to trees now. No, he's schooling you. <laughs> he said, you, know, you remember? He, he schooled them. Peter says, look, master, the fig tree you talked to yesterday, you told it to die. Uh, he, and Peter says, it has. And, and, Peter, and Jesus said, oh, Peter, have faith in God. He said, he said, look, barely out, Peter, he said, whoever says to this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast in the sea and won't doubt in his heart, but believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. That came because Jesus had cursed a fig tree at the roots and told it to die. He said, if you're not going to produce fruit, there's no need you being here, so just die today. So it died from the roots up. You couldn't see nothing happen to it. But the next day they went by and it was all brown, I guess. Jesus, the, Jesus, who created the heavens and the earth, had a conversation with a fig tree. So is that too weird for you to have a conversation with your body, your finances, over your children, over your marriage? Not at all. God thinks you went right smart. You say, well, I've been doing this for six months. I don't see no better. Hold fast. Hold fast. Right before it's all over. This is, I'm finishing right here. Hold fast because right before this whole thing ends, 
this whole thing comes down to a staring contest. Demi says, I don't think that they're going to follow through this thing because I, I'm putting the pressure on that thing. I know it, and I know they know it. I guarantee you she feels that. <laughs> well, when they woke up this morning, they didn't know whether to call the 911 or the coroner. They didn't know to call the ambulance or pick them out a plot. I know they got to feel that because I put it in there. <laughs> so it comes down to a staring contest. And I'll say, just like Peter and John, hey, Satan, look on us. <laughs> I ain't never preached that before. <laughs> look on me. I'm holding fast. You might as well let go. I'm holding fast. You, you might as well let go. Because either I got to believe you are God, and I've been read about you. Why would I believe you? I didn't read everything about you that I know of. One of the first things I read about you that, that not are you are a liar, but Jesus said you're the father of them. You're the big daddy of lies. So why would I believe what you're telling me? Why would I believe anything you tell me? Why would I let you have so much place in my life as to believe you? Why would you believe anyone to take counsel from someone who said, I'm going to exalt my throne above God and kick God off of his throne next week and I'm taking over? And you're going to listen to someone like that? <laughs> Can you? That's what he was saying, right? He, he said, by this time tomorrow, God be gone. <laughs> you're like Barney. <laughs> I'm, I'm <clears throat> taking over, kicking God off the throne, exalting my throne above God's. He can go with the angels and go around the throne and say, holy, holy, holy is me. <laughs> and there was a change. <laughs> there was a change. Did y'all read about the change? They called, that, they said, that, old, that old dragon. <laughs> <laughs> Called him a dragon now. <laughs> he he drop kicked him. <laughs> and Isaiah 14 said, Where'd he land? Isaiah 14 told you where he landed. He landed down here before in the beginning. And he went, Boom! What was that? That was devil. That, that was the dragon, the devil. He used to be the worship leader of heaven. He got drop kicked out of heaven. And at the same time, God kicked a third of the angels out with him. He says, Y'all want to follow him? There you, there you go. He has a throne, but it's not ascended. It's descended. <laughs> he did want a kingdom. He now has one. <laughs> he has one. <laughs> We've won. We're not trying to win the battle. We're coming back from the win. Huh? Some of y'all need just some pom-poms. <laughs> Scott and I went one time, some others to, I can't do this on Facebook, we, we went with someone that we know and like a whole lot to an Alabama game, remember that? And Scott said, after they made a touchdown, and he, he said, don't you really want, do you want to shake my pom-pom or something like that? No, no, he's like, it's okay to have, you know, some, you know, some expression to your faces. It's like, no, I'm, I'm excited. He's like, you are? He's like, <laughs> you know, we're like, Whoa, you know, you, you know, when they run the ball in, you see they're going to make it. And Eli's saying, they're on the three, the 25, the 20, the 23, the 25, 15. And then they touch down, you're all going, ah! And they're like, yeah. it's like, you constipated or what? I mean, just, I mean, what, what's, what's wrong here? <laughs> huh? Christians have more reason to rejoice than anybody I know of. 
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Woo, glory to God. We've already won. I get to talking like it. Amen. God bless you.